welcome to the Smoking PTSD Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Diver. I am a survivor of suicide, a survivor of childhood emotional and physical abuse, as well as a veteran of the U.S. Navy and a retired first responder. I started this podcast to help me on my journey to wellness by sharing my story, my thoughts, and my experiences in a hope that my story will reach and help others and let them know that it's okay to not be okay. With that being said, I'm not a licensed mental or behavioral health professional. I'm just a guy who's been through some stuff and has experienced a trauma survival. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, medical treatment, or therapy. Always seek the advice of your qualified mental health provider with any questions you may have regarding any mental health symptoms, and never disregard professional help or delay in seeking professional advice or treatment because of something you have heard on this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review this episode as your comments can only serve to improve the content. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So today we're going to talk about how our PTSD affects our relationships. And I know I've I've mentioned this on the pod before, but I have an ex-wife who does not know how my father died. Uh, never discussed it with her, never discussed any part of my childhood with her. And the reason for that was the stigma that surrounded my my father having committed suicide. Um, the stigma around how people perceived depression back then and that people who committed suicide were often, their families were shunned and the memories of them were told to be forgotten. Um, pretty much what, what I went through as a child with, with not only my father dying, but my mother telling my sisters and I, we were too young to go to his funeral. So we were not there. Um, so we really didn't have any type of closure from that, um, from that traumatic event. So my first marriage was certainly adversely affected by my behavioral health. And my second marriage has also been adversely affected by my behavioral health. Um, this time around, and we've been together for 16 years, but this time around I am, I'm not working harder on the marriage and the relationship. I'm working harder on me. And the ripple effect of that is having a, an impact on the relationship. So that's good. So there are a few different ways that are, PTSD and our behavioral health can affect our relationships. And one of the first ones is how we communicate with our other half or how we communicate, not even in a intimate relationship with a wife or a girlfriend or husband or boyfriend, but how we communicate with friends in our lives and others. So just think of any type of relationship that you may have. It's a, a work relationship or what have you. The way that we communicate is often adversely affected by our behavioral health because even if we're not aware of it, trying to communicate with someone can cause us to feel very anxious and we may not know how to actually build 
the experiences of the relationship because of that anxiety. And I, I read a report from the uh, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs that stated approximately 5 to 10% of individuals with PTSD face challenges in their relationships involving intimacy, sex drive, communication, avoidance, and attachment. So intimacy implies closeness within a relationship that can be emotional or sexual and is often both. This often includes talking about your emotions and responding to other people's needs, which become very challenging when we have depression and anxiety from PTSD because that we get closed off and we get caught up in the anxiety that we're afraid of saying the wrong thing. We're afraid of doing the wrong thing. And that ultimately leads, leads us to do and say the wrong thing. And it's, it's a bit of a vicious circle there, but it's, that's exactly what happens. Intimacy and relationships can be affected when you live with certain symptoms of PTSD, like a lack of interest in enjoyable activities, negative self-image, and feeling detached from others or an inability to emotionally connect. So someone with PTSD might feel the need to be intimate with their partner, but find themselves fearful or unable to establish such intimacy. And again, the intimacy can be sexual or it can just be the need you have to feel safe and secure in the surroundings with your significant other. So after intimacy, we have sexual interest and depending on the reason that you have PTSD is going to greatly affect how sexual interest affects you. So if you were sexually abused as a child, um, perhaps sexual intimacy is not on your list of things that you want. And that can make life incredibly difficult for your partner, which in turn is going to make life incredibly difficult for you. Uh, Relationships with people that are Childhood sexual abuse survivors, the the statistics say that they don't last very long and they're not very good relationships. And that's that's troubling because we all need and want to feel safe and secure within our own homes and in our and in our relationships. So that type of trauma could also make it challenging to trust a partner or feel safe in a physically intimate situation, which is a completely natural reaction to trauma. In some other instances, research suggests that trauma might result in hypersexuality. And hypersexuality is someone who develops compulsive sexual behaviors that are difficult to control. And the other symptoms of PTSD that might impact your sex life are negative self-image, not feeling yourself with your clothes are off, not feeling that you are capable enough of of pleasing your partner. Uh, That can result in a lack of sleep, a low sex drive, feeling detached, and a hypervigilance that makes relaxing very difficult. Um, I know some people have commented to me uh, in chats that we uh, they are very hypervigilant about stuff and it makes them makes it very hard for them to relax. They're constantly feeling on edge. And you, you lose interest in experiencing joyful activities. 
And this could be the reason that even though we love our partners, we still feel disinterested or fearful about any kind of sexual intimacy with them. So sometimes our PTSD symptoms include irritability and emotional outbursts. And we, we've talked about that before, but the way where that comes into play here is in our communication with our partner. And the communication is essential in, in every relationship. And when it becomes challenging for us, it impacts the bond that we have with loved ones. So the way that we communicate and respond to our loved ones, it could be an outburst or just a tone of voice that maybe you don't mean, but it's, it's how it comes across. And you can respond to others in a way that they don't understand. And it creates fear and resentment. Um, fear of saying anything to you because no matter what they say, you get triggered and fly off the handle or have some type of a reaction that the person sending the message didn't intend for you to react that way. So it makes communication very difficult. And when even the smallest discussion might make you feel extremely anxious or overwhelmed, it, you can that can get in the way of you wanting to express yourself clearly. And w you might also have moments when, when you don't want to communicate at all and you just want to be left alone, but you're not expressing that and your partner doesn't understand what it is that you want and not expressing how you feel can become a roadblock in establishing the relationship. So we have some, some vicious circles there where, where your partner could be afraid to say something because they don't want to trigger you. But at the same time, there's times where you just want to be left alone. But if you're not communicating that to your partner, they don't know what to expect from you. And that's probably going to lead to avoidance. Where if we are, you're going to be avoiding one another. Um, but for the person that has the PTSD, if you're avoiding your possible triggers, you may also want to skip certain social settings or avoid discussing difficult topics. I know I enjoyed being invited to parties when I was younger and being invited to go out and watch the ball game or whatever the case may be. But as soon as I got there, my anxiety took over and I hated it. And that was very troubling for me um, before I really understood what was happening inside my head was that I always looked forward to going someplace, but then once I got there, I was miserable and wanted to leave immediately because I was so, my social anxiety was so triggered and I was afraid of doing something or saying something wrong or whatever the case may be. And I would normally just be standing in the corner or sitting on the chair, just avoiding as many people as possible. And that, that ends up not being a, a good time at all for anybody. But people who live with PTSD, some situations, people, or activities may remind you of the event that triggered your condition. Or like me, you could just have an overall social anxiety that leads to you not being comfortable even though you're amongst friends. So the problem with our relationships come in when we're unable to express how we feel and unable to express why we don't want to go to the event or why we're not having a good time at the event, even though you looked forward to it. Um, those lack of communication skills 
will have an adverse effect on your relationships down the line. Because simply being able to connect with others emotionally is important, not only in your romantic relationships, but in friendships as well. And when you live with PTSD, you might feel, always feel detached uh, from other people, uh, situations, and oftentimes even just feeling detached from ourselves. I know that the, that detachment for me has translated into pushing people away and not being emotionally responsive. But on the other and the opposite of that is the the PTSD having um, different feelings and and effect on you where you you have an increased need to take care of or protect others in which you then might behave in a demanding smothering or dependent ways that can overwhelm some people Uh, and i know that when i was a younger man and i was dating girls one of the complaints they always had was i was smothering them because i was so afraid that they were going to leave me like my father did that i would smother them and that would force them to leave and it was just this completely ugly vicious circle and i didn't understand what was happening until i was much much older so there were a lot of um wasted opportunities there for me to interact and and be happy with uh friends and members of the opposite sex so what about when you're in the relationship with someone with ptsd and it's it's going to be Different and difficult a little bit for me to try and uh, talk about that side of it because I've always been the one in the relationship with it. But the triggers that affect us, the ones that have the PTSD, are also going to make a difference in how you approach your relationships once you develop the condition. So while everyone's PTSD symptoms are not the same, Generally, we all are affected by the same thing, so to speak. We all have our triggers, and our triggers can be a myriad of different things, but we all do have our triggers. But when someone you love lives with PTSD, their symptoms can also affect your mental health and well-being. And you're going to see that in you know, you, your wife is unable to talk to you, you're unable to talk to your wife the first step that we can take is understanding that what the condition is and what its symptoms are so that you know what to expect. And I think having had experience with a mother, my mother-in-law, when she was diagnosed with cancer, there was a lot of conversation about what we should expect as her caregivers what the condition that she was going to be experiencing, what the symptoms were. There was a lot of conversation with that. And I remember thinking back when I was preparing to do this podcast, thinking about how we got a lot of information about how we were going to help her with her cancer diagnosis. But I don't know if there's ever been a conversation where a therapist offers to sit down with a family member and say, you know, we've diagnosed your husband, let's say with PTSD, and this is what you can expect the symptoms. I I think maybe if something like that were to happen, it would make 
make the relationship building a little bit easier per se. Yeah, I think it would it would maybe even make it easier to deal with um, when someone starts behaving differently and they're having an emotional reaction to something and it would it would enable the spouse or significant other who was more prepared to say, okay, this is what's happening. I, I remember them talking to me about this and this is how we deal with that. But it's different when we're talking about something that's hidden and it just occurs inside the brain and there's really no way to deal with it until things kind of get worse. So people that are in relationships with someone with PTSD could experience their own fear and worry, and that could lead to avoidance, guilt and shame. We've, we've talked about those on previous pods, anger, negativity, health problems, and sleep problems. Um, pretty much you're going to experience, they could be experiencing the same things that we experience, but for different reasons. We're experiencing it because as a result of a traumatic experience or three or four or five, they're experiencing it because of their love for you and their want for you to get better. They just don't know how to help you do that. And that becomes very challenging for uh, the significant others in our lives when they want so badly to help, but there's just simply nothing that they can do. So the end of this article says that relationships and support networks are often an important part of the recovery for any mental health condition, including PTSD. However, when you're feeling depressed or angry yourself, supporting your loved one may become challenging. If your loved one is living with a mental health condition that, while manageable, poses significant challenges, you may want to practice patience. And that's so much easier said than done, but it's it's so much easier to get frustrated than it is to be patient, especially if it's what appears to be a revolving door of the same thing over and over and over, the same conversation, the same argument, the same inability to communicate. Uh, once the frustration sets in, it's, it's difficult to go in another direction. And I think that's especially true for those with PTSD that suffer from flashbacks. Um, I never suffered flashbacks. I would dream sometimes of things, um, but I never had full flashbacks where I would wake up and be reliving where I was. But I, I know that that's common, especially with uh, veterans with PTSD. So if you're living with someone that has that and they, and they have flashbacks, the, uh, the VA recommends that um, learning effective ways to handle flashbacks, such as breathing and focus techniques, can prepare both you and your partner before one comes on. Um, there are a, a bunch of different ways that the VA and therapists are now uh, training the service member and loved ones on how to deal with PTSD so it becomes a family event. And that research has shown that if you were getting help with your help, that's incredibly helpful. <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of help in one sentence, but that's that's basically what it comes down to. And also says here to create new routines as needed and add structure for a sense of security 
And instead of making all the decisions, allow your loved one to make judgment calls based on their comfort level. And that could be very, very important as well. Don't just take charge and say you're incapable of making a decision. So I'm going to make all the decisions. Um, allow them to sometimes make a decision if they're comfortable with it. And, and that'll, you can take baby steps basically towards getting, uh, getting better with your loved one, your loved one getting better and your relationship getting better. And another important role is when your loved one finally decides to tell you some stories and express some things that have happened. Even though it may be difficult to hear, try to keep your reaction positive or neutral. That could go a long way to showing um, your partner that you care for them and you're there to comfort them and listen and you're there to be more curious and less judgmental. Quoting my inner Ted Lasso there. If your loved one is struggling with negative self-image or thoughts, it may be helpful to express your love and commitment regularly and build their confidence with positive reinforcement and consider asking them what they need. And that that sentence there kind of struck me a little bit because even in my current marriage, I've never been asked by my wife what it is that I need from her that could help me to be better. And it, it probably just never occurred to her that that was something to say. But So be aware that everyone reacts to events differently. Uh, and that your loved one is not at fault for developing PTSD that nobody wants to, nobody wants it just like nobody wants cancer. It's just one of those things that people develop over time. Uh, remain calm if your loved one has an outburst, but at the same time, protect yourself, give yourself space. If you feel a situation might escalate and prepare a list of people you trust and resources you can turn to for support in the event that it does escalate. And um, we all have, have have all heard stories of some tragic outcomes from these things and encourage your loved one to seek out professional tips for healthy ways to express their anger and frustration. And you may also want to seek help for how you calmly handle how calmly you can handle a situation when the outburst occurs. Uh, your reaction to the outburst can go a long way to minimizing the effects of the outburst. And avoid downplaying the traumatic event or what your loved one is feeling. Probably one of the most important things that a spouse or loved one can do is to educate themselves on what PTSD is uh, and what PTSD isn't and how it affects everyone differently. Uh, you know, I, I think that PTSD is like a snowflake where they say that no two are alike. I don't think any two people share the same reactions and responses to trauma. I don't think they're triggered the same. And depending on where you are in your, your therapy, where you are along your path also d determines on how you're going to react to something. So someone who's been in therapy for three or four years is not going to react the same way that someone who's not in therapy or someone who just started their therapeutic path they're going to react differently to different stressors and different triggers. So that's something that spouses need to understand. Uh, and it's, it's difficult to, to broach the subject, but, and it's easy for me to say, but uh, don't be afraid to say to them, Hey, maybe it's time we get some help and offer to go with them.
I think if they see that support that you're giving them, it, it would go a long way to, to them wanting to get better as well. Living with PTSD can mean living with complex symptoms like avoidance and emotional outbursts, and it also means your symptoms may inadvertently have an impact on the people you love. While you didn't choose to have PTSD, seeking professional support can help you manage your symptoms and improve your relationships, and that's going to go hand-in-hand hand with you having a better relationship with, your, with yourself, which is really vitally important. Uh, when you're struggling with PTSD and behavioral health issues, you have to be comfortable with yourself and start with yourself before you try to start making the re external relationship better, make your internal relationship good as well. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. Please rate, subscribe, and review as your comments can only serve to improve this podcast. If you or someone you know are struggling with thoughts of suicide, please call or text the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 988. Veterans can also call 988 and press 1 or text 838-255. You can reach me on Twitter at PTSD, on Instagram at smokin underscore PTSD, or email me at thesmokinptsdpodcast at gmail.com. And please remember, everyone you meet is struggling with something you know nothing about, so please, let's be kind to one another.